Hey, this is Jason Cass with the Agents Influence Podcast, back once again uh, with the uh, month of the Big Week month, where if you keep in mind, we're having, um, we're kind of doing it a little different. Last year, we had CEOs from insurance companies. Uh, we had uh, just all a plethora of CEOs and presidents from insurance companies. So this year, we've kind of switched it up, and I'm bringing in the CEOs of insurance companies. We're bringing them in the CEOs and owners of agencies. Uh, we're also going to be bringing in the CEOs of vendors and other companies out there that help support and help make the insurance industry one of the best industries God's ever created. You know I say that a lot. And so today on the podcast, I'm going to be bringing one of those cats on, and I think you're really going to truly love it. But before we get into that, I just want to do like I always do and thank you. Um, What do I thank you for? For being a listener. And I mean that with all my heart. Um, the only thing I ask on your part is that uh, is that you share this, if you could. Um, if there's any way that you can go to agentsinfluence.com or you can go to growprogram.com uh, forward slash agentsinfluence and you'll find the podcast on there. And if you can, always make sure that you're sharing it on LinkedIn, Twitter, Google+. Because as I know, this podcast has obviously helped you at uh, many once or many times in your career. Um, and that's the whole point of this podcast is to help you so we can move this industry forward. But also try to share that love with somebody else. Uh, maybe there's another agent. Maybe you can just forward the email just by sharing it on your social channels. It does a lot for us. And I know you're already doing it because our listens are increasing every month. And uh, we greatly appreciate it. I just want you to know from Jason Cass to you, thank you for listening and thank you for um, being so supportive. I also want to remind you that you uh, can are welcome, just like many agents do every month, to email me at jason at growprogram.com. Tell me your thoughts, tell me your concerns, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. And in the meantime, let's get on now with uh, our, our guests that we have and let's go. So here we are back at Agents Influence, uh, and I hope that you like that music because that music absolutely rocks. I'm getting a lot of, uh, of calls of people coming in or, or emails, or I've even got a couple texts of people saying, hey, that rocks. Keep in mind, it's Sun Stereo. I make no money off of it. It's just my buddy who's the drummer um, at the uh, out of the University of Illinois in Champaign. They're rocking and they're traveling nationwide. Hopefully they get big, um, just so that I can say that I know a rock star. Um, but then again, I would be lying. Because I already know a rock star, and I brought him on the podcast today. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce you to Peter Van Artrijk, uh, who owns Artrijk, which is a company uh, that helps agents in many different ways. And one of the things that I know, I think a lot of agents know them for, even though they do a lot of other things, is branding and, uh, and helping agencies discover that brand. And I've talked about brand a couple times on the podcast, and I'm with you. Whenever I used to hear the word brand, my eyes would roll back in my head. I'd start to drool out the side of my mouth. I mean, it was just so boring, and I'm with you. But I have learned now as a huge marketer of my agency and as a huge marketer, most importantly, of other agencies, I now have realized that really what I've been missing all along, in my opinion, is the first step and the most important step to making a good social and digital and marketing and outreach plan for who your agency is. So I thought to myself, with the being CEO, I'm going to go get the CEO of Artrike, the big dogs in the industry. 
So I'd like to welcome to the podcast Mr. Peter Van Artrike. Peter, say hello. How you doing, my friend? All right. Good to be with you again. Uh, it is, it is. And he's referencing back to the fact, if you guys want to go listen to it, I believe it was last September or October, I did a podcast with uh, Peter Van Artrike and Rick Morgan, who, as you know, you hear me talk about a lot. I'm very fond. He's one of my uh, great mentors in this industry. And uh, so, Peter... Um, you know, here's where we'll start with this, uh, so I don't forget. I just want to get this out of the way. Are you a Droid user or an iPhone user? iPhone. I was I was one of the last holdouts for BlackBerry, believe it or not. I don't, I don't know how you go from a 75% market share down to less than 4%, but wow, um, just a total disaster. Uh, so, but I, I do love the iPhone. And, and, you know, I it's a very good point you bring it up there, Peter. That may be one of the most epic downfalls of the technology era yet. I mean, everything was BlackBerry, BlackBerry. They have the best email, most secure, blah, 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 blah. And then they just went like, bloop, off the map quick. Do you have any reasons why you think that is? Just not, uh, not just, pay, just not paying attention enough to technology and just sitting on a big book of government business and big corporation business, I think, kind of just sort of fat and happy and in denial that's essentially it it happens a lot actually. <laughs> you know one of the things that i uh say in my presentation when i talking about getting fat and happy and thinking you know not only denial but i think everybody especially companies and ceos and even agents we all think things are a fad and there are a lot of fads in the world but usually that applies to clothing um so i think that uh you know there's a there's a there's a Actually, I was giving I give a presentation that you were at Peter, where I talk as as little early as two thousand. And now that I don't have my notes in front of me, two thousand eight or two thousand nine or two thousand ten, something like that. I believe it was two thousand eight. The CEO of Blockbuster was quoted in a board meeting as saying that. They believed that they were almost through the effects of Netflix, and they felt that Netflix would start dying. Um, Because even when they were losing market share like they never had even dreamt, that they still believed that things would turn around. And probably sounds like a similar story to probably where BlackBerry was, you know, with the iPhone. Well, you know, it's 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 actually a good illustration of of what I think because I've I've been thinking a lot about brand in the fifteen years I've been in business, uh, almost sixteen now. But it it seems to me like there's two kinds of brands now, like that I can put into big buckets. One is one is innovator, and one is status quo. And you do not want to be status quo. And I can explain more about this in a minute. But BlackBerry clearly is or was a status quo thinking when, in fact, when they first started, they were they were innovating. And you got to just got to pay attention. You just cannot sit on a book of business, which is what a lot of independent agents are doing as well, by the way. I heard, um, I think it was Zig Ziglar. I actually heard Dave Ramsey quote Zig Ziglar in this exact story, how fitting this is, because I'm putting this in my book as a late edition, and I'm putting it in there because... Like, it's very powerful. It's very important to what you're saying. He, uh, Zig Ziglar once said that the opposite and the enemy of being the best is not the worst. Mm-hmm. It's being just fine. Right. And, 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 I, and I thought that was really important. And then he goes on to illustrate it, Peter, and to all you listeners, I just thought this was brilliant. He goes on to illustrate it that if you take a frog and you drop it in hot boiling water, it will hop out immediately because it senses the pain. It senses, uh, you know, just the heat, the you know, it's boiling. But yet if you take the frog and you put them in lukewarm water, 
they'll swim around, but if you slowly raise the heat, they will then eventually die because you'll basically cook them. So, and it's really amazing, Peter, because this is what I want to say to agents. If I took you in the year 2000 and I plucked you out of the year 2000 as an insurance agent and I dropped you in the, in the year 2014, you would probably be like that frog and hop right out of the water. I mean, you would be so like, whoa, you know, I mean, this is like such a change. There's no way I can adapt. Holy cow. Um, because why? Because I have to beast digital. My, my consumer now runs the market. I've got to be there 24-7. I've got to be able to do the way the things that the consumer wants, which is not the way it was in the year 2000. I think that that's a lot of agents because there's still that agent from 2000, Peter. It's just that the water has slowly warmed. And what they don't realize is they're about cooked. And, yeah. and, and I think that's a great illustration of what yeah, we're saying. That, that, is, that is a heck of a visual, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, 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 I would certainly, if it wasn't 2000, I would say maybe 97 or 8 when the Internet became widely commercially available. And that changed, that changed everything. Yeah. Uh, so, but, you know, the other thing is to look at it in a, in a different way um, and, and to get at this topic called brand. Um, I read a great book. It's, it's a few years old now, but it's, it's called A, a New Brand World. Um, by, Ooh. Um, Ooh, I like that. I forget, the, I forget the author, but it was about largely about the CEO of, of Starbucks, Howard Schultz. And he, uh, he went and visited uh, these local Starbucks uh, retail outfits all the time. And uh, he went into one of them, and, and the barista, you know, the guy behind the bar making coffee, says to, right. says to him, you know, boss, I, I thought we were, we were in the coffee business, but we do have great coffee, but we're really in the people business serving coffee. And what happens to insurance folks who are highly technical, highly skilled and trained with their CPCUs, et cetera, about the insurance product, um, they're, they're not, they're, when it comes to this new world that you're describing, they're thinking about it, I think, the wrong way. It's important to have all the technical skill, and certainly we've seen specialization increase, like niche markets and things like that. But they should be thinking that they're in the people business serving insurance. And when they think about that, then it, then it changes everything. Social media becomes a joy and a must-do, not this separate project that's, that's right. scary. That is right. And also, so you guys know, A Brand New World, Eight Principles for Achieving Brand Leadership in the 21st Century. The authors are Scott Bedbury and Stephen Fenici, Fenichel. Oh. So, yeah, I think they, they had a read. That, that, I didn't know about the second author, but and the first one for sure. Yeah, and, and, it, and you know, that, that I, first of all, I just love the title. I love, I love catchy stuff like that, uh, A Brand New World. So, Peter, um, tell us about, about you. Tell us about uh, go back to high school, college, as far as you want to go back. That's, that's up to you. And then bring us to 2014. All right. Well, uh, the, the short, I'll give a short version. Uh, born and raised in New Jersey, uh, uh, grew up, I went to Rutgers University, and I wanted to be a journalist and, and was for a couple of years until I couldn't hack the hours anymore, uh, working in those days in a newspaper in the middle of the night and things like that. Um, so I, I literally answered an ad in the newspaper, if you can imagine that. Um, I wound up at AM Best Company working in the magazine group there uh, at Best Review Magazine. And then went out to PR jobs at the Insurance Information Institute of New York and the big eye uh, down here in Washington, D.C. area. Um, and then, um, you know, I had a couple other freelance gigs along the way, but in 1999 we started Artrike, which is a, a family name. Uh, it's A-A-R-T-R-I-J-K.com is our website home. But this is an a, a interesting family from northwestern Belgium near Bruges. 
and the uh, literal translation of Artrike is, is Kingdom of Fertile Soil. Wow, I did not know that. Cool. Well, whenever you have a name, uh, eponymous name, like, you know, named after yourself, it, it always, it, you know, when you start to add consultants and staff, as we have over the years, we're up to about 20, not that I'm looking to make this giant kingdom here, but you start to question, like, you know, is it about me, 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 kiss, kiss on Peter, and all that sort of stuff. So I tried to change the name of our company, and people were like, no, our track is cool, it's unique, uh, let's, let's run with that. So I got talked out of it. Um, but anyway, uh, we can talk more about what we do later. But on, on a personal note, um, uh, I have two daughters who, uh, one graduated from college, and she's in this great program called the Brand Center at uh, Virginia, Virginia Commonwealth University down here in Richmond, Virginia. So she's following in Daddy's footsteps, although she doesn't want to work with Daddy right now. And, that. and then my other one's a, a sophomore at uh, Old Dominion and, and Norfolk, Virginia, ODU. But they both played um, field hockey and lacrosse, and I'm still coaching lacrosse uh, at the local high school where they went. And uh, I also play ice hockey, which is something I played my whole life. Um, so I, I sometimes I wander into the office a little groggy because we have games like 11 at night and things like that. You know what? That's crazy, man. Um, my buddy in um, in Chicago, Adam Hackman, was a center for Marquette University, and he still plays. And he always plays like at 10 or 11 at night. What's up with you hockey guys playing so late at night? Well, the figure skaters um, pay more for the ice, I think, is what, what it amounts to, because they get the primo times, ah. and all the high school all the high schools got to practice too, so... So we're, you know, 7 in the morning, 10 or 11 at night. The latest game we had was, was started at midnight. And um, I went right to the airport, actually, on a business trip. I just said, what's the point? I mean, it's 2 o'clock. Everybody's drinking beer in the park a lot. I'm, I'm looking at my watch saying, you know, I probably should just go right to Dulles. <laughs> so um, not one of my finer moments, but, but I do like sports. I really, really like sports, and I like coaching, too. Man, that is so crazy, because I always say something to Adam whenever I'm up there. I'm like, dude, what? I mean, what the heck, man? We'll always hang out till like, 9 or 10. I go to bed, and he goes and plays ice hockey. I'm like, what it's in the world? Sports. It, it's just one of those sports. It's got a lot of camaraderie. Um, I, I, it, it's, I don't know what it is. It's one of those, just one of those sports that's just different. I mean... It is. Uh, One of the toughest sports in America, like I like being like hardcore tough. You know what I mean? It's, it's hardcore. It's um, really good. It's a little bit like basketball in the sense that you gotta. It, it's it's not. You're out on the ice for 30 seconds or 45 seconds, and uh, in the NHL, sometimes they're out there for 20 seconds, and it's a full out. You know, balls to the wall sprint. Like, mm -hmm, you're mm -hmm. not messing around. If you're gliding, you. It's time to get off. So so in that sense, it's very aerobic. And even maybe anaerobic because you literally have no oxygen, and uh, so so instead of just like a long distance race, it's more like wind sprints after one after another. But well, it's cool. it, it. it is cool, and you know it's like one of the only sports that I mean maybe there's other ones out there that like is not a contact physical sport, but yeah, like 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 they're trying to fight each other, but it's one of the only sports that they're still allowed to like fight. You know what I mean? Like the refs like all circle around. Could you imagine if it was like that for any other sport? Like let's take golf. Like what if one guy walked in the other guy's line and then you know, and Tiger looks over at Phil and goes, Listen, you jerk and just starts decking him, you know? Right, right, and, right. And, and, yeah, and you, how come you were talking while I'm on my backswing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just, just haul up and smack him. Every, that would be fun. Everybody just circles around and gets him, Oh man, Phil's gonna get him, you know. Man, Tiger's got that low back, you know. But anyway, so that would be a lot of fun. Man. <laughs> 
I bet, I bet some of those guys fight like girls, too. <laughs> I bet you they do. Uh, they all have white legs because they wear uh, pants so much. Anyways. Sorry, sorry to the women listeners out there. I didn't mean it that way. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. That's a good point. Politically correct. That is the the age of, of that we live in. So, Peter, I mean, g- g- so give me some lowdown. Why why does why does an a- agent need a brand? I mean, you know, we you hear the brand guys say, oh, you know, think of the McDonald arches. People see it, they know. And I mean, you know, just tell me. I mean, tell me well, tell the, me the some bottom, of the things. The, the bottom line reason, which which uh, would speak to any principal that's listening, is money because. We did a little work with um, with Hales and Associates, which is a which was a firm that was I think it was purchased by or merged with Marshberry. But essentially, what we found was that that agents agencies that were brands as opposed to just names were actually worth more a hundred points basis points more uh, worth more a hundred uh, basis points uh, uh, EBITDA. So in other words, if your firm would would trade at six times. EBITDA, for example, uh, in a sale or a merger, whatever you do, because every agency someday will be bought, sold, go out of business, merge, whatever. It's going to happen. This is a question of whether you manage it or not. So if it would trade at six times, sell at six times, if you have a strong brand, it would trade at seven times. And so it's, so it's real money. And Hales did this study and found that, that agents that were just just names, like names of people, like Smith Insurance or something like that, weren't worth as much as brands. And the big difference, Jason, is that if you, when you have a brand, that the customer or the prospect has a relationship with a collection of people, not just one person who they associate with the agency. And that is why it is so important to, to have your folks, your employees, be living the brand in social media circles. Mm-hmm. Because you, you start to develop, people start to develop relations with the brand. So, so a producer leaves or a principal retires, whatever, it's still a strong brand. It's not just this one person. That's the big difference. So now, Peter, 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 let me let me cut you here because it's a, it's a difference in where we're at. Um, I got a lot of people, insurance professionals that are listening right now who may be 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, heck, 60, and don't understand. Can you give a basic of what we're talking about when we talk about EBITDA? Uh, earnings before income taxes, depreciation, and um, I forget the last one. But if you go to um, uh, Reagan Consulting, R-E-A-G-A-N, just like the president, uh, ReaganConsulting.com, you can read up on on some of this terminology. But it's common, uh, very common, actually. Spell that out uh, per the acronym so that someone right now could put it in Google. Earnings? You mean, uh, oh, E-B, earnings before income time, E-B-I-T-D-A. Yeah, it's tough when you're not sitting there looking at it, isn't it? I know, I'm just, I'm just kind of close my eyes. That, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. It's like if you ask me my cell phone number, I'm like, uh, you know. Uh. But anyways, yeah, okay. So that, that is a major accounting Huge. Uh, formula that, that is used. And so if someone's getting ready to retire in five to seven years, is it too late for them to start a brand? No, no, not at all, and they should. And they should also plan a succession planning, which relates to the brand. Which you know to make a to make a company more valuable, you've got to look at everything. Your uh, you know the culture, uh, who's in charge, the leadership. You have to look at your brand, which is that uh, the intangible uh, manifestation of what you're about, the mental rolodex that you create for people, and then you also have to be very social. I think in going forward, um, so th- those four elements: leadership, culture, brand, and social. 
make up innovator brands. If people aren't paying attention to those four things, they're going to be stuck in status quo and not worth as much. And if you want to find out more about innovators, you could check out this month's uh, issue. Just got it yesterday of IA Magazine, where they have a whole uh, topic in there of innovators. And I tell you what, I'm reaching out to some of those people, uh, Peter, to bring them on next next year. I think I'm going to have the month or a couple months of nothing but innovators. I thought that would be really really cool. Um, so I may, might reach out to you for 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 some contacts. You 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 hit something that was important there. Okay, so you talked about the four main things, um, and I can't remember it was culture. It was um, I can't. Yeah, leadership, culture, brand, and social. What's amazing is, is if you were an agent ten years ago, those were not your four main things. Nope. You know? No. That, no, I think I think you probably had some sense of leadership. Um, and maybe an idea of a brand and maybe those that were, were doing a good job with agency management and leadership and growth or working on their brand, maybe not even realizing it. Mm-hmm. But, but culture is a relatively new, new concept and, of course, social is too. And yeah. social, social is so big because, you know, we've been, in our industry, been so, our being the insurance industry, so used to shouting at people. And, and it's no longer about who can shout the loudest. It's this whole shift that you've been talking about, Jason, as well. Mm-hmm which is the shift in how consumers are, are uh, educating themselves about what they, what they want to buy next. And the fear I have for agents who are, who are sitting on books and think they're doing fine is that people are finding out about them before the agent even realizes it, and they've already made a decision perhaps not to do business with you. And you just don't know it. It could be your website. It could be their conversations with others in social media circles. It could be some of the traditional things that happen, like, um, you know, in person with people. But you've got to be in that community expressing yourself and building your brand because if you're not, someone else is going to fill that space for you. That's right. That's right. But, it's- but let, me, let me just, um, first, I want to I talk, because we talk about brand, I want to reiterate uh, that we're not really talking about a logo or a new website or, or tangible things. Those, those are... Those are things that communicate the brand, but the brand really is uh, an intangible. As I said, it's a mental Rolodex, a set of uh, memories and expectations that, that people would have about you. And what, what innovator brands do is that they've gone through this very thoughtful process of defining and writing down the, the brand attributes they want and, and as well as their personality. And so if you, when you write these things down, like you, you say... You know, what do we want to be when we grow up? Because uh, a lot of brand, a lot of agencies are, are confused about who they are and, and where they're at. And they, they think being on Main Street for the last 50 years is the brand, and it's really not anymore. I mean, the whole concept of local has changed, too, hasn't it? You know, you can, you can have a very good relationship with somebody across the country. Yeah, I you know Peter when we when we were together three or four weeks ago, I heard you say that and I wrote that down, um, and it's still sitting in my inbox because I'm massaging that in my mental mind. As you said, what does local really mean anymore? And I really thought that was important because everybody's talking about local. You know, but then what does local mean? And I won't go on it because the listeners know. But um, when I hired Lori, uh, because of the fact that someone said, "Well, did you look local?" Well, what does that mean? Does that mean within five, ten miles of my house, or does that mean inside of America? Because to me, that meant inside of America. Because I found Lori in Colorado, and she's been a gym. I don't think I could have find found somebody that would have been that good by looking on a quote-unquote local level. What would we call that? If we say local is nationwide, what would we call it? Uber local? 
I mean, I don't know what we would call that real local when you're talking about in your town. Yeah, I think I think I think being local is, is fine, but I also think that people will gravitate towards brands that save them time, not take them time. So if it's going to be a stressful, time-consuming process locally down the street to work with an agency versus something more convenient and maybe still the same independent agent shopping experience where you have choice and, and value and all that sort of stuff, advocacy, um, across town or across county or across state or even in another country. I know agents, I know an agent that lives in Hong Kong and does a great job selling um, affluent homeowners and personal lines products in the United States with an outsourced staff in Colorado. It, it just, it doesn't matter as much anymore. So, you know, that's why um, you're seeing, you know, companies like Amazon and Walmart chomping at the bit because they know they can, if it wasn't for state insurance regulation, they would have been in our business even in a bigger way uh, right now. That's but, true. But let me, let me again, let me just back up because you know Seth Godin who's a uh, leader in the in the online space. He, you know, I was so irritated when I read this because I said he nailed it again. I mean, I should I should be thinking of this, not him, but, but he said he said this. A brand is the set of expectations, memories, stories, and relationships that taken together account for a consumer's decision to choose one product or service over another. If the consumer doesn't pay a premium, not an insurance premium, of course, but right. you know, basically doesn't pay more, make a selection or spread the word, then no brand value exists for that consumer. So if you don't pay a premium, make a selection or spread the word. That's that's what's happening today. They're spreading the word. Um, so, so agents really need to pay attention to their online office, you know, their website and everything they have going on in social media circles. Yeah. Um, I, I say it all the time. It's totally flipped. If you didn't have a building 20 years ago, you may not be real. You can do, You don't have to have a building today, but if you don't have a website, you may not be real. And, and, I, and I think that, that that goes right back what we say. I always say that uh, having a beautiful building is something that we've always done in the insurance industry. We can pride ourselves on that um, for curb appeal. Um, but you also have to say that, you know, that the online, this is curb appeal in the virtual world. So yep. it, I, I'm trying to get agents to understand that so they understand the importance of that. But I, oh, I'm sorry about that to the listeners. One of the things that I really do, um, I do get frustrated at this. So Peter, I won't say I won't say exactly where I was at, but I'm at this conference last week, and and this and this and these, these this group is all about helping agents, and um, they do a fantastic job of it. And one of the things they've done is they've reached out to a company that will build them websites, and Peter. I get so frustrated because listeners listen to me. You're being taken advantage of. And it, it you know, hey, this company comes out and they build this website and it's $200 um, to have the website developed, made, customized to you and it's, you know, $15 a month. And it's like, Peter, I mean, come on. Am I wrong? What kind of quality are you going to get for $200 with $15 a month? Am I crazy here? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I guess it's important. I mean, you want to have something, I guess. But I think we're coming to the point in time that if it's just some generic old website, I mean, I go to websites, just not insurance. I go to like for when I'm buying stuff, and if they have an old janky website, it's just like, ugh, you know. Oh, there's so there's so many old janky websites. I'm I'm just stunned. Even agents that say they specialize in sophisticated commercial lines will have a website that is horrible and. So you say, you know, how do people, well, we get referrals. I know, but people go to your website first, mm -hmm. and you don't even know it. I mean, Absolutely. are you even tracking with free Google Analytics tools 
where people are coming from. Absolutely. You don't even, know, you don't even hear from them. I was talking so to an agent. Lost opportunities have. So in other words, yeah, all right. So maybe you're 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 doing fine, but you could be doing like rock star good if you actually had a great website. And here's the other thing, Peter. Why don't you try helping other people? Let me give you an example. I got this agent I was talking to at the conference last week, and he says, yeah, you know, I do this social and digital, and to be honest with you, he was like, I get some results. I don't get much. I've only been doing it for five or six months. He said, but you know what? I started posting to my LinkedIn, and he says, I've expanded over to LinkedIn, and he says, and what's amazing is this. He said, of all the people giving me referrals, the loan officer in town, a couple other agents in town, he's got another business, uh, a mortgage broker that sends them a lot of business, and he, he, he started posting on LinkedIn. In, and I thought this was amazing. He told me that those people came to him at a luncheon the other day and said, hey, uh, it's good to see that you finally joined LinkedIn because now it'll be easier for me to give you a referral because I'll be able to point my client somewhere to find out about you. And so he said, that made me realize that this is the yellow pages of the old days. It's not so much that, yeah, find my number and stuff. It's that if you weren't in the yellow pages in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, you may not be real and people wouldn't find you. And I thought that was interesting. So it's just not the direct one-on-one -on -one consumer, but it's the indirect of someone trying to help you get a, give them a referral. I thought that was very, very important. So, so if we don't have those social sites and we don't have that good-looking website, we're actually preventing people from trying to help us because they may be a little embarrassed. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Agree more. I never had thought of it that deep, Peter, and that really clicked. I'm like, holy cow, you know? So. Well, so, you know, another thing to keep in mind, um, if you're if you're thinking, if you have an idea where you want to go and you have that vision thing, because strong leaders have a vision, which is, a vision is the better world that you would envision if you were successful. It's not a mission. It's not what you do. It's the, the world you, you envision. So if you think about your ecosystem of customers and prospects, what do you want to do for them and what do you want to do for your agency staff to create this world uh, that, that, is a, that is a better world? But once you start thinking about that future, there's four things I think that, um, that agents can use, and, and, and it, it, they're good shortcuts. They really help me a lot. Um, the first one is trust. Uh, everything you should do should be building trust, which is why you need to have your people engaged, not just hiding behind one principle or hiding behind a logo. Uh, uh -huh. Have your people out there. The second is quality. So every interaction, a phone call, or whatever it is, should be of high quality. And, and, and being proactive, which for many agents, unfortunately, means reacting really fast, and that's not good enough. Answering the phone on two rings is not great service anymore. Those, that ship has sailed. Um, the other one is education, because consumers demand to be educated, not sold necessarily, that's different, but they see a lot of value in agents educating them about policies and, uh, and perhaps endorsements and things, that, risk management type stuff, whether it's for a family or for a business. And the fourth one, which is really important, is time. As I said before, save me time, don't take my time. And that's why uh, real-time workflows for your CSRs um, and and providing whatever self service you can for customers is so important. You know, it's these four things: trust, quality, education, and time. If if agents would think that through, what it means for their firm, because every firm is different, and put in place, you know, put into place some of these elements, they will build their brands over time. I like that. I like that a lot, and I'm and I'm quiet here because I'm taking notes myself. I I love these little bite-sized pieces you give. Here's four things. Here's four things. You got to write a blog. Oh wait, 
you, you your co- your company <laughs> well, does. Other, here, here's another one that again the, over the years I, I've learned because these, these don't relate just to agents, but they they absolutely do relate to agents. I call them uh, brand touch points, which um, you mentioned the online office, the website, but there's a lot of other things that they can just create a list of. Um, your, your purpose and your vision, as I mentioned, what what customers think of you, and that's you have to ask them. How how consistent are your workflows throughout the agency? The way you answer the phone, the quality of your phone system, your your employees as responsible partners, the name of your company is important too. A lot of firms are dropping the word insurance because they want to be some about something much bigger than just simply insurance agency. Um, how that's your signage looks like, your parking, your business partners, are you aligning with really good carriers? Um, all of your advertising and your giveaways, are they cheap plastic pens that break in people's pockets and magnets that don't stick on the fridge? All these things, whatever you're doing, just take an inventory and then rank them from zero, which they suck, totally suck, to ten, which is rock solid, don't mess with it. And then and just rate them all. And then, and then say, you know, does this stuff, do these things look like they're from the same company? Do they align with our brand promise? Is it something that, that we're building a brand or is it actually hurting our brand? And agents need to do this with all of their customer newsletters that they have them, um, any any letter or any interaction with customers. That's see see brands that are that are innovating, that have strong leadership, and they they pay attention to these details. Over time, they get rid of things that that aren't working that actually hurt them, and they put the focus towards things that are going to build their brands. Yeah, and it's not like um, you know. I believe in 2000 and 2005, you had a choice whether you wanted to do this. Should everybody have done it? Yes. But you had still a choice. I know it's do or die, and that's and that's fine. I'm only doing do or die because I care about every insurance professional out there. But you got to do this. I mean, you yeah. really have to. Um, if you've been listening from the beginning of the podcast, the water's about to boil. And you don't know it because you've just slowly went through this. And... Uh, and and it, and it's and it's phenomenal. And you know, and one of the things, you know, if you want to go back and you want to say is Peter right? Is what Jason's talking about right? Go back to to January to one of the most listened podcasts I have with Chuck Blondino, a director of marketing for Safeco, and he gives a um a a study of 900 agencies that they've looked at over the last 6 years. And in that study, he breaks them down by the top 25%, second 25, third 25, and then the bottom 25. And he then takes all of their information they've given us, and it's not financial, but do you have a newsletter? Do you proactively email? Are you using text? Do you have a management system using real time? Um, you know, do you have social channels? How many? I mean, it's a big long list. And then he put all of the people who have the most um, uh, services and are doing the most things to create the most touches. And it's amazing because he almost didn't have to line up the growth. The growth went from top to bottom based on the things that I just mentioned and that you're mentioning, Peter. So what's amazing is is you may take the top 25, middle 25, bottom 25, and you may try to line those up from growth from top to bottom, but you didn't have to do that. All you really had to do was just make sure the people who had the most touch points and was doing things differently than today, 
those were the ones that had the most growth. So I thought that was really amazing. And if you and if you don't have time to listen to both for, uh, one and two, please listen to podcast uh, second one. That's where he goes into all the details. I was just over in St. Louis and I had three specific, uh, email our agents come up to me and go, "Oh my gosh, that guy Chuck, whatever his last name is, that was Chuck a great." Dino. Yeah, I, I, I know his name, but they don't ever know it. You right, know, right, but right. Chuck is one of the most purest best people that we have in this insurance industry. And one of the reasons, Peter, and I talked to him about this, is he, he, he's he been on our side. He's been a small business over, owner for, I think, 20 or 25 years before he joined Safeco and worked his way up through the ranks. So he understands what we're going through. And, yeah. I, th- and I really think that that matters a lot. Well, it, it does. And, and, you know, you, you, not, not, to, not to, to, to blow too much sunshine up the skirt, but, I mean, <laughs> Safeco's a good company. Darn right they are, and and uh, and and the, you could say that Liberty Mutual and you know the Safeco thing they're, that they're innovating. Are they perfect? No, but guys like Chuck are, are few and far between because there's 3,200 on the PNC in, industry alone, 3,200 insurance carriers in the United States, wow. of which about 2,200 are rated by A and Best Company. So you have uh, even 2,200, Jason. How many of these companies are really innovating like this? Very, yeah. very few. Golly, are they scary. doing a good job for people? Probably fine, yes. But we don't need, unfortunately, this many companies that are not innovating because the, the consumers are going are gonna to start having, they have been having their say for a while, but it's going to accelerate. And I think these companies need to hire people like Chuck to look at everything and say, are we truly helping our agents? Agents need help with social media marketing. Mm-hmm. The carriers need to do a better job of social media marketing, partnering with their agents. Yep. They've got to look at everything. This, this cooperative advertising bucket of money that they're using are still traditionally going to things that are not really working that well. You know, and then, we need more innovation in our business. More innovation, and you know, innovation outside of the industry is causing havoc. Innovation in technology and driverless cars. So we've got agents who won't innovate, which is going to severely affect the companies because now they're not going to have as many people in their distribution system. The companies won't innovate, so now that greatly affects agents, but that also affects the market. And then I've heard um, in some of the studies I've been doing, or not the studies, but the conferences and the different articles I'm reading, that they say that if an average premium of an auto is around $800, that by the year 2022, somewhere in that area, that they believe that the cost will drop to about $400 for an average auto. And they believe in the later 20s that you will be actually paying somewhere in the neighborhood of between two to $300 for auto insurance. And the reason is, is because of this driverless car. I mean, the Google has driven, the Google cars have driven over a million miles, and this is just what I was told last week. They've driven over a million miles. They've had two accidents. They were both in parking lots, and both of them were not the Google car's fault. Somebody else had hit them. And so you, you start to look at how we're really on, we're going to be paying very little on liability, very little on comp, uh, comprehens- or comp, uh, collision, probably be paying the most on comprehensive because people someone could still steal it or you could hit a deer or whatever that could happen it could flood yeah. out whatever so so it's really amazing so think of this real quick listeners think of this peter the state farm has five billion in in premium and mainly that's from auto insurance let's say it's three billion in auto insurance because they write 40 million cars that means that if they lost 75% of their of their premium, 
I mean, that is like a severe blow. That takes him down to like about like a little under a billion dollars in premium. And so, you know, what I want to put out there is that I don't think it's a good idea to be investing heavily in personal lines. And I also think that we may run and rule the market right now in commercial because a lot of agents, uh, companies don't uh, particularly look at a commercial. But when they have to innovate, one of the areas they're going to and making a huge push in is going to be the commercial market. So not only are we going to lose personal lines as an independent or lose a lot of premium, but then we're going to start losing market share once the big boys get in there on commercial. And uh, so, I, gosh, innovation's tough. Well, All right. I think, um, I, I think, I think you're, 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 uh, you're, you're right about the Google car thing. I think it's going to be a real shock to an industry that's used to writing one-third of the entire P&C uh, premium bucket, including commercial, is, is, is uh, auto, personal auto. So one-third potentially wiped out or nearly wiped out. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is huge ramifications for... For any industry. Like, yeah, I know. A company like, companies like Geico and Progressive have to be thinking about this for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do feel, though, um, I, I disagree on the personal lines. I, I think there is a tremendous opportunity for agents and personal lines. Okay. They can't look at it as take-all-comers com- and being a generalist. I think there's there's a lot of niche potential in personal lines as well. If agents give some thought to it, and best practices agents that are tracked by the big eye are doing this. And they've been doing it for a long time in commercial lines, but now they're starting to do it in personal lines. And the upscale market is just one huge bucket. About 20% uh, of the entire homeowners um, a bucket is, is, is affluent of personal lines. But there's other niches mm. people can go through. People that are on that are searching for help for insurance are looking for something that can help them. They're not looking for a generalist anymore. So so I think agents need to, to re-energize and re-engineer their organizations around this new consumer. It could be the younger consumer, but also could be baby boomer consumers who also want personalization. But you just have to go through that process. Uh, yeah. That is, and it's a tough process. And I, and I mean, I'm going to put the shout out for you, but there's, there's companies like Artrike, am I correct, that can help them put together a plan, put them together an action plan for stuff they need to do to build their brand and maybe niche out and try to bring that culture and some of those things in. Is that not what you do? Yes. If we do, we can also help people connect with others that do this if we're not the right fit. But absolutely, and it's, it is painful. It is. Somewhat, somewhat painful, but but it's it's so it's so valuable to take some time, especially this time of year, Jason, as we head into 2015. Take some time and really think about the future. Is it a distraction from today's phone call? Yes. Is it worth doing for a long-term vision and planning and energizing your staff and attracting millennials? Absolutely valuable. Mm-hmm. Got to do it. It is. So we talked a little bit about the future, and I think that's important. Let's wrap this up with saying you kind of jumped ahead to the beginning, but I know you're a reader. All leaders are readers, and all readers are leaders, and Peter Van Artrike is a leader, so that tells us he's a reader. So, Peter, do you have any books? Like, what are you reading right now? Well, two in particular on my desk. I need to get through them, but one is called um, Park Noir, which is a, uh, a novel by my good friend Chris Garson. It used to be at Progressive Insurance. He was in charge of the technology for the independent agent channel at Progressive, but he retired from there. Uh, Chris Garson, G-A-R-S-O-N, Perk Noir. It's really a cool mystery uh, mystery novel. The other one, uh, nonfiction I'm reading, is called, it's a book called Story Branding, uh, Story Branding 2.0 by Jim uh, Signorelli, S-I-G-N-O-R-E-L-L-I. Um, what, what this 
just is, and others have written about this too, is that it's, it's no longer enough to be out there uh, uh, using just regular words to describe what you do, that it, it's about telling stories. And that, that is why when, when agents switch from talking about, for example, what's the policy language in the CGL to <laughs> describing a claim, telling a story of what happened to a customer they had last year or whatever, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you see the customer's eyes light up in a different way. And we have to, we have to tell stories and when we're, when we're describing our brand, tell stories on our website and tell stories in every sales presentation. So I'm looking forward to getting through this one. Yeah, that, that does sound great. Well, Peter, I, I, I got to tell you, that, those, uh, that's interesting. Those are, those are some interesting books, and I think you've done an interesting job. I think uh, I can declare, and I think the listeners, listeners will declare this a great podcast. I think we gave them uh, some, some straight juice. Um, do you want to say anything before, as we close out, uh, anything to the listeners, any last thoughts or anything that you want to spread to the message? Oh, wait, 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 we forgot one thing. And that is, let's wrap up, Peter, with you explaining to them what the exciting event that we have coming in, I'm not looking at my calendar, but I think in May. Yes, um, I, I was going to say two things. One, I'd be happy to talk with you again in the future podcast to talk more about brand, because I think it's it's very it's not a mythical, strange um concept it's very very relevant to the independent agent channel and I, I, I firmly believe that that they've got to understand what this thing is brand and leverage it so I'd love to talk more in detail about it but let's do that the other <clears throat> we can schedule that later the other thing is that in May May 17 and 19 uh, at the beautiful Magnolia Hotel in st. Louis uh, we're having our next brand camp we don't do this every year we do it every couple years uh, but this is an event for people that would enjoy a podcast like this that that want to know more about how to improve their uh, their personal brands as well as their corporate brands. Um, so it could be for an agency, a company, a tech firm, uh, the kinds of folks you're interviewing for your podcast series come mm-hmm. to these events. And think of it this way. Think of you're sitting in a coffee house. Uh, there's an open mic night. Um, it's people who are really into sharing and talking and challenging and sharing ideas, uh, ranting and raving about things. And what happens is the group kind of owns the conversation and makes it makes the outcome very interesting. People go back with ideas uh, that they can implement right away. Sometimes it's a little bit of technology. Other times it's a whole approach to, to branding. But it's relevant to the insurance world, and uh, so as opposed to just a generalist conference on brand. Um, so anybody that works in insurance management or insurance marketing who would like hanging out with smart and cool people in the insurance industry would would enjoy Brandcamp. So there's stuff at our website, artrike.com slash Brandcamp2015. Brandcamp Fantastic. And it is going to be a great time. I missed last year, because or the last time you had one, I should say, because of a speaking engagement. Um, but I will not miss this one. I've already got it marked off. And uh, it doesn't matter how big the speaking, speaking engagement is, I'm coming to that. So, uh, you know, Peter, I, I greatly appreciate all you do. We're going to hook back up sometime around May so that we can make a final push uh, for Brand Camp. And you're right, I do want as many people as there because the first time I went, it was um, it was it was amazing. I mean, there were so many people there. I came home with so many ideas. I actually instituted a couple of them that, uh, that I still use to this day and um, greatly appreciate those people and someone like yourself for putting it on and making it awesome. 
Uh, well, well, thank you, man. No problem. So that has been Agents Influence Podcast, uh, another one that we've added for Big Wig Month, which was Peter Van Artrike, which is the CEO, owner, president, everything above of Artrike. He's got a fantastic team uh, that works with him. Once again, reach out to him. Um, it's at artrike.com. Uh, also, remember the Brand Camp. I'm going to be talking more about that in March and April. It's really, it's really a meeting that will change your, change your, and rock your world. And uh, so in the meantime, keep in mind that Insurance Agent 2020 is going to be coming out. Um, if you want to get the first three chapters for free, go to insuranceagent2020.com, um, enter your email, and we'll be sure to get that out for, to you. Right now, it is getting ready, like in the next day, to go to the editor. It'll be there for about three weeks. Then we're going to throw some hard covers and soft covers together and get the electronic version up to um, all of the electronics plus places that you would store it, Amazon and many others. Got a team doing that, not me. So remember, Insurance Agent 2020, it's a 2020 vision for the way that you need to run and operate your agency and operate as an agent in the year 2020. Um, InsuranceAgent2020.com, put in your email and get the first three chapters of the book. This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast, and we are out. (laughs) 